May I welcome to the stage, Shea Serrano. Thanks. It's a lot of y'all in here. <laughs> uh, all right, so, yeah, like Molly was saying, we're just going to argue about which songs we picked. Because in each of the chapters, each chapter is about the most important song from a specific year. Each of the people that's going to come up here has a little blurb in the chapter at the end where they argued for a different song. So it's a live version of that. So for this one, Ms. Lambert did the 1988 chapter. I was arguing that the most important song of that year, obviously, was N.W.A. Straight Outta Compton. And Ms. Molly Lambert thought it was a different one, so go for it. Uh, <laughs> I argued for Children's Story by Slick Rick. Uh, which is not maybe as cool as Straight Outta Compton, maybe a little more 80s and a little less 90s, but equally influential, very important, really funny, and uh, you know, in a different category than Straight Outta Compton, it is a great song that features a British guy with an eye patch uh, rapping about a nursery rhyme, which is about as weird as you can possibly get. And it's a, it's a classic song for people like me that are, are fans of storytelling and sort of every song that you've ever heard that has a plot. I feel like you can trace back to children's story and credit to it somehow. So I don't know that I even necessarily agree with myself because I don't like <laughs> to make choices between things that I like. I just want everything to be equally good that, you know, two songs from a year can be good at the same time. But... Uh, I'm going to say for the sake of this event that I, I totally disagree with Shay. <laughs> I feel like we did this in New York and we had our five people that went up there and every time that the other person went, like I lost that battle every single time because it was all these really smart people. And when I first got to Grantland, like my, my, literally my first day there, the, my boss, his name was Dan at the time, he brought me into his office and he was introducing me to everybody, like telling me about them. And he said, oh, we've got Sean here and Chris here and Mark here. And he's like, oh, and Molly Lambert's here. And she's like, probably the smartest person in the office. <laughs> so, like, I'm real nervous right now battling <laughs> Molly. I'm just going to concede defeat. Like, you're probably right. I did the, that was the wrong, I picked the wrong one. That's my bad. So this is, we're off to like a really bad start right now. I'm over one today. So thanks, uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, and, uh, <laughs> All right. that was terrible. Um, let's let's do next. Who's next? I think it's 1995. Is that right? Yeah. 90. Oh, 95. It's Christopher Ryan. Oh my God. <laughs> So for the 1995 chapter, I was arguing that the most important song of that year was Tupac's Dear Mama, which obviously is the most important song of that year. Well, I said obviously last time I lost that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I was arguing that that's the one where, like that's where we saw the most vulnerable version of Tupac, which is probably the second most interesting version of Tupac. The other one is like the super gangster version. And <laughs> that, thanks. All right. <laughs> But yeah, so so with with that song, like all of the beginning of Tupac's career was just mostly him rapping about women with like "Keep Your Head Up" and "I Get Around." Like there's different versions of women's song. This is the best one that he ever did, and he's probably the most iconic rapper. If we just have to pick one, so that's the most important song. This fool is stretching over here. Like 
This uh, shit is really going down. I don't think that Dear Mama is like one of the top 50 rap songs from 95. I want to punch you right in the face. Uh, <laughs> I swear to God, I want to punch you. So, but no, the song I picked was uh, Shook Ones Part 2 by Mob Deep. Uh, that came out like three months before I graduated high school in 95. And I still think that Infamous, the, the album that, that came off of, is probably like my favorite my favorite record off of out of all those like sort of seminal East Coast records that came out in the mid '90s, right? That like Illmatic and uh, Wu Tang and the first Raekwon record, and etc. Uh, but the funny thing about what we're picking here is that Tupac and Bob Deep obviously have somewhat of an intertwined history. Uh, and it, the reason I picked Mob Deep in the first place, and even the, what I wanted to talk about tonight, was just like remembering not necessarily the beef that was happening at the time. But you should come back up, man. This is about you. Um, no, not at all. It was just more about like uh, fondly remembering like regionalism, like and, and actually like hearing something that you felt like somehow represented like the place that you sort of think of where you're from. So I'm from Philadelphia. It's adjacent, obviously, to New York City. But um, you know, when I moved to New York and when I lived there, and and throughout like most of my adult life, like Mob Deep has meant so much to me, and Prodigy especially has meant so much to me as a as a lyricist. But I never had that connection with Tupac, and I don't know that I ever gave myself a chance to like him. Like if I did, you honest, have a connection with your mother? How about that one? She's fine, but I would not write a rap song about her. You know what I mean? Like she's cool, but like I just felt like I probably would say that Pac's two good verses are California Dreaming and the MSG Live Freestyle. What the hell? Well, that's it. Like, that's like, I don't what really have... in Philadelphia? Like, <laughs> we're listening to Beanie Siegel. I mean, what do you want from us? <laughs> um, when did you sort of get into Tupac? When I was alive. Like, that's... You get into Tupac when you hear Tupac for the, for the first time. No, but like, for you, know. you, is it about Tupac, like, in his actual records, or is it about the entire mythos of Tupac, and it's, like, it's juice, all and of it's it. everything, and it's... Everything. The, yeah, it's still I rise, just like the... When, when Tupac comes on, I feel it in my chest. I like, feel the same way about Mob Deep. Yeah. Mob Deep, I'm like... You know, the first thing I think of Mob Deep, uh, that movie, that terrible movie... You remember there was a movie called Mob Deep? Okay. See, that's how bad it was. And also, they had a, they played it in a Spurs commercial, which I always Did appreciated. They? Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, if you're comparing it to like, I don't know, on Mother's Day, I want to play Dear Mama. I don't want to play. Like Mob Deep forever from my mom. Yeah, if we did a book called the best Mother's Day songs, I probably would have picked the Dear Mom over Shook Ones. But I still think also it's worth mentioning that aside from like how they differ lyrically and how like those two different sets of artists wound up clashing over the years, uh, I also picked Shook Ones because it's probably one of like the three best rap beats of all time. All right, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> over two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. We got two more that I gotta suffer through. Miss um, Devin Maloney, come on now. This was oh, this was two thousand. Uh, Miss Maloney did a two thousand chapter. I was arguing for UGK and Jay Z, Big Pimpin', which of course is the convergence of the North and the South, and like. Let's fucking celebrate that. <laughs> and they got a boat. There's a gigantic <laughs> boat in the video. And uh, Ms. Bologna did So Fresh, So Clean by, by Outkast. So yeah. I'm already, already lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no. So when you came to me with the, the question, I kind of thought about how, uh, like, what does that mean, like, the most important song of that year? And I was thinking about, you know, Big Pimpin' is a really good song. Uh, I like it. 
it's like a song that you can that, that kind of does the same thing as as uh, so fresh look clean. It has the same um, uh, ethos, I guess. It's all about being you know on top of your game, being like decked out. You got your stuff all down. Everybody wants you, but like so fresh look clean is are you like? It's objectively better on one hand, <laughs> but also like you know, one of the reasons that I I said it was superior was because it's it's much more applicable. Like I'm gonna age myself here. I was 11 when that song came out, and uh, that was that was as important to me then as it is now. And I'm sure like people who are grown ups my age at that time <laughs> found it as important as like as I did. And I think you were uh, you were in like in your room like so fresh yeah, like in yeah. the mirror yeah just really yeah definitely the... well no it's like one of those it's such an identifiable like iconic song whereas big pimp and you know like it is really iconic but it's also like i was trying to think about like how also how women are portrayed in both of them i feel like stacks and and big boy they they never they always talk to women directly and i love in that song how they come at uh whoever this woman is, and it's really, really, like, smooth, so fresh, so clean, and, like, really gets the job done, whereas it's kind <laughs> of like, I guess Jay-Z and UGK already have as many women as they possibly could want uh, due to the fact that they are, in fact, big, big pink pimpin'. <laughs> so, right. so, but yeah, that's, that's, it was more important. But I, I think, think that that could be argued, right? Yeah. What, what made you pick yours? Well, in a nutshell, I guess. Because that was really the moment when, at that time, Jay Z was already a big superstar. Right. And this was right before, like, he was about to, he thought he was going to prison for a few years because he stabbed that guy for leaking the, mm -hmm. like, his music out, which is, like, a good idea. I think you should always fucking <laughs> stab somebody. And, uh, but then, so you had this big star, and then you had UGK, who was only famous down here in Texas that hadn't exploded yet. We're still four or five years away from that. And just mushing those two things together was just, just meaningful. Like that never right. happened before. Right. Then. There was never a situation then. So that's why. But I think if you're going to talk about the women thing, then I lost. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to pull that. But, yeah. uh, no, it's Fucking actually, no. But it would hit be me with that shit. Like, important boom. for different reasons. It just depends on what kind of thing, what you're talking about. If you're talking about historically you probably win and if we're talking about like you know the the staying the lasting power of a song uh an applicability of a song you're yeah you're right i lost yeah well <laughs> I didn't say that. all right you got it cool. thanks <laughs> thank you this doesn't have anything to do with anything at all but right now my phone is buzzing a bunch in my pocket and i was thinking about uh Several days ago, I was in Atlanta for this other thing, and I gave a, a talk in the morning, and then I had to, like two days off to do nothing. So I called a taxi because I was going to go to the movies because I had not seen Black Mass yet, and my wife won't go with me, so I was going to go. And so I called him, and then I went down to the office or down to the lobby, and the taxi pulled up, and I did this thing where I got my phone, I got my wallet, I'm good to go. And and again, this doesn't have anything to do with anything at all right now, but I was just thinking about it. And so I got in the taxi. And we're riding to the movie theater, and I was talking to the guy, and it was like a good conversation. He was my friend. I felt like we're good to go. And we pulled up to the movie theater, and uh, so he tells me it was 20 something dollars, whatever. And, well, here's my phone. And I went to get 
my wallet out of my pocket and I pulled it out and it was a fucking cookie. <laughs> it was a cookie that I had from the airplane that was in my shorts and I wrapped it up and I thought it was my wallet because it's a little tiny thing. And so I just pulled it out and I was like, motherfucker. Like he just had to take me, I didn't even get to go see the movie. So now I don't like cookies or Johnny Depp. Let's do the last one and then sign some books and get out of here. Uh, Sean, Sean Fennessy is coming up. There he is. He did 2006... Uh, I was arguing. Oh, like that. Yeah, I'm real scared right now. We so, did. I did 2006, which I was arguing for Rick Ross hustling, and he was not arguing for Rick Ross no. hustling. He's arguing for What You Know by Ti, which is ridiculous. <clears throat> So here's why here's why hustling was important, and just outside the fact that it's a fantastic song. But up until that point. Like, rap was sort of celebrating itself all the time, and it, a lot of it was rooted in authenticity. Uh, just a few years prior to that, we had basically seen 50 Cent just yank Ja Rule out of the sky and slam him into the ground <laughs> because his company was called Murder, Inc., and he was like, you're not murdering people. This is, and, then, and everyone was like, I'm not listening to Ja Rule and Ashanti anymore. <laughs> but when Rick Ross came, like 2006... This was after Kanye had busted out with, with Gold Digger, and it became this thing where authenticity wasn't that important anymore. It was more about what you can imagine and say. Rick Ross is always like, I'm flying in a diamond helicopter with 100 virgins. Like, no, you're not. You can't fit 100 virgins in a... You probably can't fit 100 anybody in a helicopter. But it was like, it didn't matter. 50 Cent tried to take him down too afterwards when they found out that he was a correctional officer and nobody cared at all. And so that was the moment when it was just like, you can say whatever you want. Now we got fucking Slim Jesus or whatever the guy's name is. Just rapping about drug dealing. So that's an important song. Slim but, Jesus? Is that his name? I don't know his name. Yeah. Uh, Slim Jesus. That's him, right? Andres knows. Is that Chris? No, that's Andres Tardy. <laughs> yeah, he's like a, like a skinny little white kid who's like rapping about killing everybody and oh, and then he dope. comes out as he's, he's like I'm killing I'm killing and then he, he just I'm not I'm not killing but I'm killing and then nobody cares like this is your argument for Rick Ross yes yes it changed rap it changed it totally but you know tell him about T.I. and the and the go ahead. I'm not gonna dance remember to dance um, remember to dance no I, I think that those are some strong points especially the point about Slim Jesus um, I think the thing about it is is when you're writing a book about every year, it's easy to have the hindsight of knowing what we know now about Rick Ross. But if you think specifically about 2006, um, that was T.I.'s year, hands down. Not only did he have what you know, but he also had My Love with Justin Timberlake. <laughs> also a better rap song than, than Hustlin'. Um, I would also argue that Hustlin' is Rick Ross's worst song and like the least representative Rick Ross song of what he became. Um, and the fact that I specifically remember when Hustling came out, it was, it banged, but it was a joke. Rhyming Atlantic with Atlantic was one of the biggest punchlines in rap at the time. People were like, this guy is fat and charismatic and not good at rap. And T.I., on the other hand, had been having sort of a build-up to a moment. He was waiting to become the guy. You know, he had been ascending to a primary position in the genre. What you know is sort of the height of that moment. When that song hit, I was working at Vibe magazine, and we were having a 
a debate about what the songs of the year were going to be, and that was the only non-debate. It was like, well, it's what you know, and then everything else after that. It was we didn't have to think twice about it. Now it's sad to think about that when you think about who Ti is now, who is basically just a guy who's trying to put out music in the world, and also gave us Iggy Azalea. Like that's a bad legacy. It hurts to hear that, but if you leave this reading, you have your signed copy of Shay's book. You open up your phone. You Bluetooth your car and you put on what you know, it will transport you to a special moment in your life. It will take you back to happiness, I promise you. <laughs> Ten years ago, life was easier, life was better, you had less money, but you had less to pay for. I can, I can attest to that as well. And also, Rick Ross, as much as I love him, is still kind of trash. <laughs> How dare you? No, this is what you do. You go in your car, first, but I don't, this is He's got a little tiny pair of scissors on the back of his pocket right here. This is fantastic. I've never seen this true. Seen these jeans before. They're I just from was... England. Are they really? Yeah. Never been there either. <laughs> this is what you do. You go in your car and you Bluetooth. I don't have Bluetooth, but I'm gonna plug my cord in, like a like a normal person. Right. Rick Ross does not have Bluetooth either. And Rick and Rick, I'm putting on hustling, and then I'm screaming. I got the motherfuckers flying across the Atlantic. Like that's what I'm. That's what that's what I'm doing. But no, you're probably right. You're probably right. I can't, I can't, I can't be the guy with England jeans, like, it's just not possible. I made these shorts myself, and you went fucking across an ocean to get your pants, so, all right, you got it, 0 for, 0 for 4, thank you, I appreciate you. All right, that was, that's what I thought it was. Um... So we got a little bit of time. We could do a quick Q&A if anybody has any questions. And I'm going to try my best to answer them for me or, or for any other people who came up here. But all right, we'll get started with this green shirt back here. What up, Guinness? So this is, a, this is not a question for you. Yes. question for you. Um, why did you pick So Fresh, So Clean and not Miss Jackson? Because I just felt like that was such a... I think I took, I took the opposite tack that Sean did where I, I looked at a song that was important and will be important for a really long time, or will be just uh, have the staying power. And I felt like that song was, uh, it, it really just like, it, I, basically I just think of that as a so, more like eternal song. So you want a song that people would listen to forever, forever, ever, forever? <laughs> <laughs> he thought of that shit like two days ago. He was fucking ready. Yeah. I'm about to kill him with this question at the Q and A. He knew. Like an story. <laughs> really, really <laughs> Good job. We got another. Yes, sir. Was there one year or one song that made you want to write this? That made me want to write this book? No, I didn't want to write the book at all. Like, not at all. What ended up happening was we did a coloring book. The coloring book did real well. And the publishers, the same publishers, and they wanted to do another book. I don't want to do another coloring book because it was not that much fun. Like, drawing the pictures was fun, but it's like, super hard to email Drake to get him to sign a paper for you. And you got to get everybody's signatures. I don't want to do that anymore. So... My editor there, she's like, well, I got this idea for this book. It's the most important song for every year. You write a chapter for every year. What do you think of that? And I was like, that sounds awful. I don't want to do that. Not uh, like, no. And so we just, that was the end of the conversation, right? That was it. And then like two months later, 
maybe my wife wanted to, we, we had another baby, and we were living in a townhome at the time, and she's like, we got to get out of this townhome because it's too small. And I said, all right, I guess I'm going to do this book now because we need more. <laughs> We need money for the down payment. So that's how we got the book. Like, that's, that's what we did. But yeah, there wasn't a, a specific... I didn't, I didn't want to write it. But I'm glad... When we, when we finished it, I really like it. I'm really proud of the way it turned out. So, you know, women are smarter than men, as we saw earlier. Glad you Me too. Anybody else? All right. Yes, sir. What was your involvement with rap music before you started writing about it? Like, how did you go... How'd you go from a person in the world to a person in the world writing about rap? Uh, just an email, basically. Like, you, I was listening to rap music. You listen to it when you're growing up, and it's a part of your life, and you, you're hearing it. And then when I decided we were going to be a writer, I was going to be a writer. Then I was like, well, I know about this thing, so let me try to write about that. But yeah, again, even with being a writer, this was not something. I wasn't a kid dreaming about having a book signing in LA one day. What ended up happening was. Again, this is my wife. She was pregnant with twins at the time, and we were both teaching, and the plan was she was going to stay home for six months after the, the twins were born, so we save up our little money for that. But like four months into the pregnancy, she got she went, went into labor, and it was like this big emergency, and they rushed her to the hospital, and she got a surgery, and they laid her down, and they were like, you got to just chill out here. Like your uterus is wilding out, trying to get the babies out. And so... The money we had saved up for the months after the pregnancy, we used up during those months when she was supposed to be, you know, when she was on on bed rest. So we were getting near the end of it and we were running out the money. I said, I need a job. I tried to work at like fucking Target or Walmart, but they wouldn't hire me because I already had a full-time job. So I was literally like at home Googling work from home jobs and writer came up. And I was like, I guess I'm a writer now. <laughs> and I just started calling the newspapers and telling them, yo, I'm a new writer. All you got to do if you want to just tell somebody that you're that thing. And they don't check, like, at all. I was like, I'm a new writer. No, and then eventually a, a, a woman, she ran, like, a little tiny neighborhood newspaper, told me, okay, you can write for my, it's called the Near Northwest Banner. It's the first place I ever wrote for. She made them in her garage on, like, a little machine and then handed them out to people. She paid me $15 to write. And then I did two of them. And I was like, fuck this old lady. I'm trying to move on to the next place. <laughs> and I went to, you know, and then I just tried to flip each one of those. And I did that for, you know, three or four years. And then, like, when I got at Grantland is when re- things really popped off for me. And Molly, which is, this is the reason I invited her, she was the one who got me on at Grantland. I wrote a story, this goofy story about having sex with my wife while listening to Drake. It was the dumbest thing. The dumbest thing. This was in, like, 2012. And... It spread around a little bit, and then I got a message from Molly. At this point, Grantland was, like, out of there already. They have all these fantastic, super smart people. I never even considered writing for them or pitching for them. She hit me on Facebook. I have the thing saved in my phone, uh, and I still look at it every once in a while. It's like, we saw this thing, and we liked it. you have any interest in pitching us? And I was, like, just crying and trying to be cool. <laughs> be cool. But, yeah, so, I mean, all that stuff just it just happened. Like, it was just a part of a thing, and I wasn't trying to do it, and then here we are. So, that's way too long of an answer. All right. Yes, sir. Uh, do you have a, a leader in the clubhouse, so to speak, for 2015? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely Kendrick Lamar's All Right. See? I got, oh, I got one right, finally. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's just taking all the stuff that's happening in America, and black America specifically, and, like, just turning it into this beautiful, like, we can't be broken type thing, and 
it's going to be the one that, that lives, I think, forever. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Do you feel weird in years where you put back-to-back artists, like if you're filling out the and you're like, D, 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 Yeah, that was... Yeah, yeah, it was weird at first. The way we ended up doing it was for each year we had like a list of maybe 10 songs, uh, 10 potential songs, and I tried to put in two or three sentences why each one was important. And if you do it that way, then it's easy to say, oh, well, this did a thing or that did a thing. So I felt a little more confident. And then also I sent the list to like two or three people that I thought had a an extensive knowledge in hip hop, and they sort of they gave me the okay. So, yeah, but that was weird, definitely. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Uh, have any artists like reached back and been like, "Man, I feel like my song should have been that year." Like, you got to feedback. <laughs> no, they don't like Jay Z, and we're not that cool. <laughs> so he hasn't. No, the the only one I've heard from so far was fucking Mike Jones, if you can believe that. <laughs> He was a 2004, yeah, there it is, the 2004 chapter. And we put it on Grantland the Tuesday before the book came out. And it was like moving around or whatever. And then I got a thing, a DM from him. And I was like, like, for real? Like, I've not seen this guy in a long time. And it's like, yo, I saw the article. I appreciate the truth you're spitting or something goofy like that. And I was like, there's no way this guy read it. Because in the article, I say like he was a terrible rapper. He was just, he was just good at marketing. And then, so I was like, oh, thanks, Mike Jones. I appreciate it. But then, like, maybe 20 minutes later, it's like, we should do a book, just me and you. And I was like, nah, I don't think so. Like, I just unfollowed Mike Jones. I don't want to do that book. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I, st- I have the DM saved in there. And anybody else? Okay. Yes, sir. Was there a uh, chapter that you knew what song it was and you just struggled to write? Like, you just kind of struggled to piece together the argument or you just kind of breeze through it through all the chapters? No, you know, the hard one was the, the 2001 chapter where it was, because it's two songs, Takeover versus Ether. It was hard logistically because. They, we only had so much space for each chapter, and I got to put two songs in there now. But also because you can't write the chapter without saying who won or who lost, it just doesn't make any sense. So that was like a tricky situation. And if you read the chapter, you can see it's basically just me arguing with myself, and then there's no real answer. It just sort of like mumbles off, and then we're good, <laughs> we're good to go. Uh, anybody else? All right, I think we're we're out of here. Yeah, let's sign some books. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.